I ask for extra reverberation and bass. <laughs> so now I've got to get hooked up again. Okay. Technology is wonderful. We're glad you are here this morning and able to share with us in the service. Obviously, I am not Brother Mac, and um, you're thankful for that, and I'm thankful for that, and we will look forward to him being back uh, next Sunday for Mother's Day. So, um, you have your bulletins with you. You can look at those, and you can look at what we have here for the announcements and things like that. And so I'm going to just move right into the service, have a word of prayer, and invite the choir members to come up, and then we'll, Harold will be starting the singing portion of our worship service. Thank you for being here. Those of you who are guests, we're always delighted to have guests, and we trust, we pray, you feel at home, like this would be a place where you could make home or already you feel like you are at home. And so we are glad you are with us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for the privilege of worship. You have set a day, you have set an opportunity for us to gather and to lift our voices in praise, to sing the songs that remind us of you and that direct us to you, and to have you speak to us through your word. And we look forward to this service and how you will work in the service and the privilege of being with these particular brothers and sisters and sharing in worship. Thank you, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Let's stand, please. If you believe, if you believe this morning on, in God's promises, we are standing. Let's sing that song, Standing on the Promises. Great and precious is his promises. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing I'm standing on the promises of God Standing on the promises that cannot fail When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail By the living word of God I shall prevail Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, I'm standing on the promise. 
promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternally with love's dark heart. Overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises, I cannot fall. Listing every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Savior, in my all, in all, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Amen. May be seated. Great singing this morning. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Hope this morning he is yours. Jesus is yours. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a glory divine heir of salvation purchase of God born of his spirit washing his blood this is my story this is my song praising my Savior all the day long this is my story this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my side. Angels descending, bring from above echoes of mercy. Whispers of love. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission. All is at rest, I and my Savior, and happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, as his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior. my song, praising my Savior all the day long. 
329 in hymn books, grace greater than all our sin. Our sins are great. His grace is greater. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpour, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Let's stand, please. Let's sing a few verses of this, and our ushers come forward this time. I first believe. 
when we've been there 10,000 years. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we invite you to take this time to worship the Lord through the gift of our tithes and our offerings. Our tithes are regular, what we expect to give to the Lord. Our offerings go beyond that, and it is an op- opportunity for us to praise the Lord and to thank Him for His graciousness in our lives. And so it is a part of worship and important for us to uh, stay to remember that it is an act of worship to God. Brad, would you lead us please in prayer? It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? But there's a time coming. We don't know when that time's coming. That we may wake up and be in the very, very presence of our Lord and Savior. And that, my friend, 
is what I'm really looking forward to. the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and it's closer now than it's ever been. I can almost hear the trumpet. Gabriel sounds the call at the midnight cry we'll be going home when Jesus steps out on a cloud to call his children the dead in Christ shall rise to meet him in the air and then those that remain will be quickly the midnight cry when Jesus comes again what a day that will be I look around me I see prophecies fulfilling and signs of the time they're appearing everywhere I can almost hear the Father as he says son go get my children at the midnight cry, the bride of Christ will rise when Jesus steps out on a cloud to call his children. The dead in Christ shall rise. remain will be quickly changed at the midnight cry when Jesus comes again 
and windows that remain will be quickly changed, will be quickly changed at midnight cry when Jesus comes again at the midnight cry. comes again when Jesus comes again I know the fun they're about to have had that experience, enjoyed it. We've got some good kids and great opportunity to steer them in the right direction. And what, what a blessing it is to have people who are willing to do that. We are children of destiny. Isn't that right? Isn't that what we just heard? We're children of destiny. We know that there's something great for us. And we look toward it. I want to share with you this morning about his or for a higher purpose. We're not here just to do the mundane. We're not here just to do the regular. We're not here just to, just to make what we can of our lives with the time that we have and enjoy the pleasures and all of those kinds of things. We're here for a purpose, a higher purpose purpose that requires us to be faithful to the Lord and to look to him for direction. In the book of Isaiah, there are words that always, always challenge me when I read them. We're not going to be, I'm not going to be preaching from this passage, but I'm going to be using this passage and use another passage to kind of open up the meaning. Of this passage. So in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, some words that always challenge me and, 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 and make me stop and think. Isaiah is writing and he says of God, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the earth is, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We have a God who in his omniscience knows all things, who is absolutely without a shadow of a doubt the most intelligent being that we will ever come in contact with in all of creation and beyond creation because he is the one who brought creation into existence. And this one wants to have a relationship with us. And he wants to guide our lives and he wants us to understand that once we become a part of his family that what is going to be happening in the days ahead is that we are going to 
have opportunity to represent none other than the Lord Jesus Christ to all the rest of the world. Now, a story that I think will help in our understanding of this is in the book of Genesis, chapter 37. As you're turning there, what's the book that's before Genesis? What's the book after Genesis? Okay, you know your Bibles. Genesis 37, verses 1 through 11. Um, I wish I had more time to exegete and preach the whole remainder of the book of Genesis because it is the life of Joseph. And Joseph is one of my heroes. Joseph is one of those guys that when I was young, I was amazed at the spiritual strength and the stamina that he had in his life to be able to deal with the things that happened in his life. Because you know and I know that in our lives, not everything that comes is sunshine and roses. That an author wrote about this, unknown author wrote about this in a, in a poem called The Loom of Time. Man's life is laid in the loom of time to pattern he does not see, while the weavers work and the shuttles fly till the dawn of eternity. Some shuttles are filled with silver threads and some with threads of gold, while often but the darker hues are all that they may hold. But the weaver watches with skillful eye each shuttle fly to and fro and sees the pattern so deftly wrought as the, as the loom moves, sure and slow. God surely planned the pattern. Each thread, the dark and the fair, is chosen by his master's skill and placed in the web with care. He knows only its beauty and guides the shuttle with which hold the threads so unattractive as well as the threads of gold. Not till each loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly shall God reveal the pattern and explain the reason why. The dark threads were as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver for the pattern he has planned. Now, in Scripture, Joseph is one of those who had the greatest challenge, I think, in living his life from well, even before age 17 through 30 when he was, he, when he was set up as Pharaoh's right-hand man. He met challenges that are just beyond our desire to, uh, to, to appreciate. And so let's, let's read this passage of Scripture and see how all of this started. Now, jo Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. 
One thing I would say in this regard um, before we move on is how intertwined our history is with the history of those who have gone before us. This story that we are going to read is part of the history of Jacob, and yet it's the story of Joseph. It is good for us to understand that the life that we are living and the things that will be written about our life are in some way a result of our parents. Our history doesn't begin when we're born. Our history was with our parents before. And so this is the history of Jacob, but it's the story of Joseph. And it is our privilege to live up to and even beyond the dreams and expectations of our parents, but to be true to them in the way we live. Now, continuing, Joseph being 17 years old, do y'all remember 17? Some of us, it's hard, isn't it? 17 years old. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the land and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father you to think about this. You think you, are, you have seen dysfunctional families? Think about what it would be like to be in a house where the father had four different wives with all of the potential infighting between the brothers of the different wives and the things that could have happened in that kind of a circumstance. I am so thankful, and I believe it's in God's plan, and I believe it's the best, what what is best for our children, is that we have one husband, one wife, married for life, and living in such a way that they can be examples, godly examples to their children, and raise them up in the nurture of God. And here we have four different wives and all of the infighting and all of the things that would have been a part of that that Joseph grew up. And it's no surprise. Joseph was different than the other boys. As a matter of fact, different than all of the other 11 boys. He was different. Because somehow, God had touched his heart He understood the things of God. He he understood the need for him to walk in a way that was pleasing to God. And we know in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. 
or he who believes in him, he who comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so we have a man, Joseph, a young man, who has determined above everything else that what he wants to do is live a life that is pleasing to God. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the difficulties, he wants to live for God. And so he gives a bad report to his father about his brothers because it, he is so sensitized to the spiritual things that he wants everybody else to experience those. And if they're not, they need to come to God so that they can experience the truth. And so in my mind, when I see Joseph doing this, it's not because he wanted to be a tattletale. It's not because he felt himself above his brothers. It is because he wanted his brothers to experience some of the joy and blessing that he already was experiencing as he was walking with God. Is that true of us? Do we have that feeling? Do we, do we have that drive that makes us want to live in such a way and share with others in such a way that they can enjoy the blessing, the excitement, the truth, the joy of living a life for the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to worry about giving bad reports. The media takes care of that. Other people take care of that. We don't have to worry about giving bad reports. What we want to see is good reports. And we praise the Lord for every one of those we get to see. So Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father because they were doing things they just absolutely should not have been doing. By the way, parents, do you pray a hedge of protection around your children so that they can be protected from the temptations, from the pressures, that are always, always coming on them. If you don't, please do. Take the time to do that. They need that extra strength, and you will be blessed if you will do that. So, um, it says in verse 3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that, saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now, we raised three girls. And they were two years apart and two years apart so that four between the oldest and the youngest, roughly. And there were a few occasions where they had a little bit of disagreement. Yeah, really. And they didn't always speak peaceably to each other. But generally, they did. They loved their sisters and they supported 
their sisters. And we were thankful for the life that we had and the, the way that God worked things out in that. And so we don't know exactly what it's like to have somebody who is just always speaking mean, ugly, harsh, difficult. We enjoy some of the other as well. And yet that was the case with his brothers, and it was because Joseph demonstrated his love to them. Now, favoritism for parents is not unusual, but what needs to happen is even if there is a favorite child, they don't show the favoritism as they are dealing with any of their children, but rather they treat them equally. And uh, that's, that's one of the lessons we have to learn, lest we have some of the same kind of problems that would have been true in the house of Jacob with the things that were, were going on there. So what Jacob had done is, is that he had, he had made, I guess, uh, a special coat for Joseph. And this coat, it, it's, it's fun to read the scholars and what they say about this coat. Many colored, maybe, had long sleeves, probably had longer um, skirt to it, if you, if you want to use that term. It was specially designated generally for the one who was going to be the child that gained the, the inheritance, the main inheritance from the father. So what it said to the boys was not only that dad loves Joseph more, but dad has already put Joseph in the place of the firstborn when in fact he was not the firstborn. And so there was, there was a difficulty, I'm sure, because of that. They didn't want Joseph to be the one who was over them because they were men who loved darkness rather than light, and Joseph was living in the light. Now, all of this has purpose. We're, we're going to be making application here because we, too, live in a dark world. We, too, every day face the challenges that the world throws at us to be like them, to do the things that they think are fun, the things that they think are important, when, in fact, they are against the will and the purpose of God. And they even against Scripture. And so we know better than to follow them, and yet so many, and it seems increasingly so, that they are following their own. It said in the book of Judges that people, there was no king, and people did what was right in their own sight. We've got a lot of that going on today. 
when we should be looking to the Lord for the direction that he gives. Okay, so let's move along. They couldn't speak peaceably to him, and they hated him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. And this is why. He said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then, behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. (laughs) And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more. For his dreams and for his words. (laughs) Did that stop Joseph? No. Then he dreamed still another dream. And told it to his brothers and said, look. I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and to his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down the earth to you before you? And his brothers envied him. But his father kept these this matter or the matter in mind. When I read that the father kept it in mind, it reminded me of what Mary did with the things that happened with Jesus, that she remembered those things and thought about those things. Well, I wish we had time to go on and and read this, but we don't. So I want to remind you of the rest of, of the story. Joseph is 17. Dad sends him out to find the other brothers and check on them, see how they are doing as they're taking care of the sheep. And this happens to be all of the 10 brothers together because they have all of their flocks together. They're looking for water. They're looking for green grass. And so he is wondering where they are, what they're doing, and all of that. Now, they were supposed to be in Shechem. And so Jacob calls Joseph, calls to Joseph. Now, he didn't do this on his cell phone, of course. He had him come in, and he told him, I want you to go and check on your brothers up in Shechem. And Joseph couldn't get out his GPS and find out where Shechem was, He had to just hit the road and go in the direction that Shechem was, which was north. And so he went 30, 40 miles to the north to Shechem. He was being obedient to what his father asked him to do, even knowing what his brothers thought about him. And so he goes, and as he goes, He he finds where they would have been in Shechem or where they should have been, he thought. 
And he wanders around in the field because there's nobody there. Their, their sheep are not there. They're not there. What happened to them? And so he's wandering around in the field and a, a man finds him out in the field and asks him, can I help you? And he says, yes. I am a, ch- a, a son of Jacob and my brothers are from here and have been feeding their sheep here and I can't find them. And so this man said, well, I happened to be with them and I heard them say they were on their way up to Goshen. Now, where they were going was another 20 miles on up the road. They were looking for grass and and water for the sheep, and so they went wherever they could find it. And so he, he went looking for his brothers, and as you know, he found where they were, but before he got there, they saw him because he was wearing that fancy jacket. And that fancy jacket just said, look, here I am. So they didn't have any trouble identifying him. And they began to talk among themselves about what they were going to do. What did they want to do? They wanted to kill him. They really, really, really wanted to kill him. They hated him that much. But they talked about it and they couldn't come to a good conclusion, so they dropped him down in an in a old dry well and went about their business while they were trying to decide what to do. As a matter of fact, they even sat down to eat. And Joseph is down in that well and he's calling out, Get me out of here! Help me! Don't do this! This is... Don't... You know, and, and, and all of the other arguments that he would have used for for them to let him get him out of there. And they didn't pay any attention. They went on, they just ate their ham and cheese sandwiches. Well, no, they probably didn't eat ham and cheese, but they ate their sandwiches and whatever else they had to eat for lunch and uh, started to go on their business and they saw down yonder some Ishmaelite or Amalekite they, they were part of the same group of traders that were coming down through that area and they were right there on the road where they would trade and go on down to Egypt. And so they talked about it and Reuben had gone and, and was taking care of other business and they were still discussing and uh, they decided, you know, we can take care of this just by sending him, sending him as, selling him as a slave. We can get a little money in our pocket and he can be gone and uh, we'll, we'll go on our, our way and, and show the coat to, to dad and dad will think that wild beasts killed him. And so they, that's what they did and, and Reuben came back apparently after they had even sold uh, Joseph and he, and he wasn't in, in the cistern any longer and, and where in the world was he? And so I'm sure they had to tell him and they had to get together on what their story was going to be for dad and um, eventually they got to go back and to take that coat to their dad, 
and they made off as though they had found it out in, on the road or something and showed it to him. And, of course, Jacob was terribly distraught because here was his son that was now dead because he had obviously been eaten by uh, wild animals. And Joseph, of course, was carried off to, to Egypt. And in Egypt, he was sold as a slave. He had several years with, with Potiphar and became the head of the household, except for Potiphar being the head. And he took care of all of the business and everything else that there was to do for the whole household until he was accused by Potiphar's wife. And, and because of that, Potiphar put him in jail and held him in jail for a few years until Pharaoh had a dream. And when Pharaoh had that dream, he needed somebody to interpret it. And one of the men who was around uh, the Pharaoh had been in prison with Joseph and Joseph had, had told him the the interpretation of his dream. And so he said, oh, there's this guy down in prison that can tell you exactly what your dream means. And so they got Joseph out and took him in. And, and as you know, the rest of that story, he became a ruler in all of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh, which, by the way, was an answer to the dream because ultimately the brothers come before Joseph and they bow down to him because he's the ruler and they need some food and they, they go to him and ask for it. And then again, when Jacob comes to Egypt, they once again bow down and um, Jacob himself and, and the wives and all of them bow down to Joseph in that way so his his dreams were fulfilled. Now, I tell you all of that and read this story because it is my prayer that every one of you has the same dream that I have. And that is, I'm going to do everything I can to be pleasing to God until he says, okay, Come on up. And either through death or through the rapture, I'm going to have the opportunity of going to be with the Lord. And the Bible says when that happens, it is forever for all of the rest of eternity. Isn't that exciting? That is so wonderful to look forward to. It is the major dream that each and every one of us has, that blessed hope. And that blessed hope needs to drive everything that we do. It needs to be the motivation. It needs to be the purpose for what we do because we know as, Adam knew, as Abraham knew and as the others knew that they were they were pilgrims. They were journeying through the land and they wouldn't get there until God called everybody to be with him in heaven. They looked toward that time and that place where they would be with God. 
We go through a lot of stuff in this life. I can look out here and I can tell you the things, the health issues that many of you have had from time to time. I can tell you, some of you, the things that you are presently going through that are difficult and that need only the strength of God because in yourself you will not have the strength to be able to do those things. I see our young people here before us and our young people have a whole life to live and we want them to live that for the Lord. We want them to understand that even though God may call them to be a policeman or a businessman or a teacher or any of the other things that he may call them to be, they are first and foremost a child of God and their, their life needs to reflect that to everybody around. There's not a one of us that doesn't need to hear the truth of the message of the life of Joseph. Here are the four things, I think, that are important for you to get out of this passage. First, he brought me here, and it is by his will I am in this straight place. In that fact, I will rest. Second, he will keep me here in his love and give me the grace to behave as his child. Third, he will make the trial a blessing, teaching me lessons he intends for me to learn and working in me the grace he means to bestow. Last, in his good time, he can bring me out again, how and when he knows. So here it is in a few words. We are here in whatever difficulty, whatever our, our point of life, we are here by God's appointment. We are here in his keeping. We are here under his training. We are here for his If Joseph doesn't teach us anything, hopefully we can learn these lessons. He was so patient. He withstood without apparently complaining the difficulties that he faced. And still, he stayed true to God, even in a pagan land where nobody else was worshiping God. And God found him a useful instrument through whom he could deliver the children of Israel during the time of shortage of food in their land and in Egypt. And then the place where God could work 
to make the people of Jacob become the nation of Israel. God is always at work. He's always got a plan. He's always got a purpose. And we're part of it. The question is, are we going to do it? Are we going to accept the challenge? Are we going to meet the criteria that God has placed for us to live in His light so that He can get the glory for us? We were made for a higher purpose. May we go from this place today and live it out to the glory of God. Father, We come to you this morning thanking you for the privilege of being here and worshiping. We thank you for the wonderful music and how it took us to your very throne. What a wonderful reminder of what we have to look forward to. And Father, the life of Joseph is also a reminder that there may be a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. We may have to suffer in ways we never thought we would have to suffer. We may have to endure longer than we ever thought we would have to endure. And it may not be something that we can celebrate. But all of it is something that we can recognize your hand in our lives. That we can be open to learn the lessons that you have for us to learn. And that we can be the light that the world needs and the salt that the world needs today in your power. Now, Father, if there are those here who don't know Jesus as Savior, they can't really appreciate and understand the beauty of the truth that even in the difficulties we can be blessed and rejoice because we know it's in your hands and you will work it out to your glory. And so I pray, Father, that they would realize if they want to have the strength to really meet the challenges in a way that is pleasing to you and that is best, they need Jesus. And I pray they will accept We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Let us stand, please. With loud hymn I could do nothing.
been a day that we have met with the Lord and the Lord has met with us. We have a message to carry, a truth to be followed, and may God get the glory as we go from this place in his name. Is there anything that we need to be aware of before we close the service? Uh, yes. Uh, GBS, the Glorybound Seniors, uh, we are going to uh, uh, Catfish Hole. Uh, remember to sign up. There's a, a sheet back there, sign up. And Sight and Sound Theater to see the production of Queen Esther. Um, read the bulletin board back there, all the information on it. And uh, the payment on that is due uh, the 21st, by May 21st, in two weeks. Need your money to either Sharla or I, and that's $55 for the uh, Sight and Sound Theater and 17 for the, uh, uh, the lunch in the cafeteria, if you want to go there. So, Thank just you. a reminder. Any, anybody Any, else? Anything else? Ben. Men's breakfast. Okay. May the Lord bless you and guide you. May he strengthen you.